So today on episode 839 of the School of Podcasting, I had a member of the School of Podcasting say, I'm kind of thinking about getting into editing other people's shows. What do you think about that? And then I host the Northeast Ohio Podcasters Meetup, and a member of that who's also one of my awesome supporters on Patreon said, I'm thinking of getting into editing other people's shows. What do you think about that? And then I went to Facebook, and you guessed it. Somebody said, I'm thinking of getting into editing other people's shows. And when it comes to really having the pulse on what's going on in audio editing, there are two people that really know what's going on, and that is Steve Stewart and Mark Deal. So we're going to talk to them. They've been on the show before. I have a cool Because of My Podcast story that actually has more to it than what we'll hear. And I've got a quick tip about charging your guests to be on your show. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where we help people plan, launch, and grow their podcast. When it comes to podcasters, helping them is what I do. You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com and use the coupon code LISTENER. It's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And so today's show, we are going to talk about audio editing. I got a quick tip coming up here and a because of my podcast story. And the because of my podcast story is great. It's from an old friend of mine. Gary Leland. So I actually dug this out of the archives. This is not a new because of my podcast story, but there is more to it than what he says. So here is a because of my podcast story from Gary Leland. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. And since then, I've listened to your show on and off forever, it seems like. But the segments I really like are the because of my podcast. And I've thought about sending in comments so many times on that, but there always seemed to be something better around the corner that was going to happen to me because of my podcast. Well, I'm finally sending in, Dave, a because of my podcast. Every year, I get press passes to the College World Series. Not only press passes and a space in the press booth, but field passes for photography and the award ceremonies, which is really cool, and I've been doing that for years. I know the who's who of fast-pitch softball. I know all the championship-caliber coaches, almost all the Hall of Famers. I probably have almost everybody who played softball in the Olympics for the United States. I probably have their phone number in my, in my phone. You know, there are so many things. I've spoken all across the country about podcasting, all the way from New York to L.A., Last two weeks ago, I spoke in Florida. Next week, I speak at Social Media Marketing World in, in San Diego. I have almost traveled the country speaking, which has also been great. I was fortunate to be one of the founders of the world's largest podcasting conference, Podcast Movement. There are four of us involved in that, and I'm one of the four, one of the ones behind the scenes, basically. But that's been a very fortunate thing for me. I've, I've made friends in podcasting and social media all over the world, I have so many friends like yourself that I'll know probably forever because of podcasting. 
But the biggest thing that's ever happened to me because of my podcast happened in February. Middle of February, I got an email from the city of Arlington, Texas, where I live. Now, Arlington's a good town-sized city. We have the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers. The email was from the mayor's office saying, because of my podcasting endeavors, they wanted to make a proclamation. The mayor wanted to make a proclamation that a day would be Gary Leland Day. That's right, Gary Leland Day. Now, I thought this was a joke. My wife forwarded this to me. It didn't even come to me. It came to my wife. But it turned out to be on the up and up. So I looked at the calendar, and guess what? My birthday, March the 1st, was still open. And they were going to make the proclamation on February the 28th, the day before my birthday. So guess what? I picked March the 1st. And now in Arlington, Texas, March the 1st, is Gary Leland Day. So that's about as cool a thing as you can have happen because of your podcast, as far as I'm concerned. So if you want to read more about that, you can always go to my blog, which is GaryLeland.com. But Dave, enjoyed your show for years and years, and I know you have great stories, and I look forward to your great stories to come. Have a good one, my friend. Thank you, Gary. And again, this is kind of a historical one because Gary is no longer involved with podcast movement. He sold his portion of that conference and got into Bitcoin. In fact, he's known now as Gary Leland, the Bitcoin boomer. He does a daily show called the four minute Bitcoin, and he actually has his own conference now again. So he's kind of replaced podcasting conferences with BitBlock Boom. That's going to be in Austin, Texas. You can find that at BitBlock Boom. And uh, he's also, I see now, an advisor at Swan Bitcoin. He's also an advisor at GiveBitcoin.io as an advisor. So the Because of My Podcast just keeps on coming. If you can answer that question, it doesn't have to be, hey, they they created Dave Jackson Day. That's a kind of a hard one to uh, to top. But I'd love to hear any kind of like, hey, this happened and it wouldn't have happened except I had a podcast. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash because and leave or upload your answer today and we'll play it right here. And my quick tip today, there was an article that a lot of people were talking about. We talked about this on Ask the Podcast Coach. This is going to be my Reader's Digest condensed version of that. And that is, you'll hear where there are people making $50,000 to let somebody be a guest on their show. And I've talked about this in the past. My biggest worry is that you will get used to having this money come into your show so that eventually you'll let anybody come on your show as long as they have the money. So that's my biggest worry about that. And the other thing you have to know is that due to FTC rules, you have to disclose that. Like today, I'm having Steve Stewart and Mark Deal on, and they are the guys behind the Podcast Editor Academy. And you can go to Podcast Editor Academy, or you can go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash PEA, and that's my affiliate link. So it's up to you. If you're one of those people that always says, hey, Dave, I want to just thank you so much for all you do in the podcasting space, and you're going to sign up, you can actually give value back to me by using my affiliate link. But I should disclose that. Now, did I bring them on because they have an affiliate program? No, I brought them on because they're experts in answering the question, what are the biggest mistakes or what expectations could you set when you are starting out as a podcast editor? That's why they are here. And that's my whole thought on this 
charging your gas. For me, I do not do that, but that's me. And I look for guests that deliver value to you. That is, I'm getting paid in value by you are helping me, Mr. Guest or Mrs. Guest, serve my audience. That's what I'm here to do. And then I get paid by hopefully inspiring you to either start a podcast or you go, you know, I'm not getting the results I want with my podcast and you want to grow it by joining the School of Podcasting. That's how I get one of my many rewards. My background's in in teaching and just helping people start their podcast is a huge reward for me. It puts a lot of gas in my tank when I get somebody, I have somebody right now, they're just like, I, yeah, and I'm like, yep, we're going to fix that. So if that's you and you're like, I don't, I, I kind of know what, yeah, yeah. So that's my thoughts on that. I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, there is a service called Guestio, and I know Travis, the guy behind it, I got to hang out with him in Australia many moons ago when I spoke down in Australia. Great guy. And this is one of those like, hey, if you want to do it, you can. One of the things I actually went, hmm, is you can actually charge people just to pitch you. And I went, now you got my attention because I get a lot of bad pitches. But the other thing that I thought about is most of the bad pitches are not somebody who's coming to my site and going to my contact page. They have scraped my email from my feed and they're just blasting caca to anyone that they can get their email on, which is why I get really bad pitches. So I'm not sure that's going to solve that, but I am going to look into Guestio and you can find a link to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 839. If you happen to listen to my other show called Profit From Your Podcast, that one is all about making money with your podcast, and it's a companion podcast to my book. Oddly enough called, you guessed it, Profit From Your Podcast, How to Turn Listeners Into Livelihood. That's available at Profit From Your Podcast. So if you happen to listen to that, and go, hey, didn't you just interview Mark and Steve on that show? I go, yep, and this is the exact same one. So if you heard that interview, if you happen to listen to that show and this show, this is the same interview, and you can kind of check out. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com and answer the question of the month. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash where to see where I'm going to be. But right now, you're right here, and this is Steve Stewart and Mark Deal answering questions about, hmm, I'm thinking of becoming a podcast editor. So Mark and Steve, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, Dave, excited. So one of the things I wanted to look into is what do you think are some of the biggest, holy cow, those things that you're like, I'm going to be an editor because doggone it, I know audacity and you jump into it and you throw up a shingle maybe somewhere that says I'm a podcast editor. What's one of the biggest things that people go, oh, I didn't, oh, hmm, kind of thing. Well, the first thing is obviously getting that first client, or if you have somebody that you're editing for, you got to get that second client. It doesn't become a full-time thing until you have a full book of business because you've got to make a steady income. The good thing about podcast editing is it should become a steady income. Most podcasters release an episode on average. Everybody doesn't uh, one a week. They could be different, but that becomes a recurring income. Then it becomes, are you charging enough that it makes it worth your time and spending enough time? I shouldn't say enough time. I should say less time doing the work so that you actually earn a better wage per hour than you would have at your old day job. Cause there's, there's things about taxes that come into play for somebody who's working for themselves than there is when you're working for a company. So those are the biggest things. I think when you're first thinking about getting into it, it's you got to get the clients first before you can jump out of a job. So how do you get that first client? 
Mark, you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I think we covered it pretty good in your last episode we were on a couple of years ago, episode 752, because it's a question that comes up pretty often is like, how do I... I get my first client and there's multiple strategies going to events in person, whether they're podcasting events or podcasting adjacent events. One of the things I teach editors when they're talking with prospective clients, people that want to make a living, not so much from podcasting, but through podcasting and people don't keep this in mind, at least in our industry, because we're always listening to podcasts is podcasting is the only medium in which you can market to people when they are away from their screens. So that's one of the things that we teach editors to say to prospective clients So they're like, oh, yeah, podcasting is something I need to really get into and double down into. How do I get started? Well, that's what the editor, podcast manager, producer, whoever is going to help you out with. And I know a lot of people forget, like they'll say, "Okay, I'm going to work 52 weeks a year. I need to make X amount of money. If I do this, then my rate would be blank. And that goes back to your initial point, like, okay, well. A, you might want to take a vacation. B, you have to factor in Uncle Sam. What's what's some of the mistakes people are making with, I guess, rates? Well, I want to go back to that per hour that you work income. And you may not be basing your income or what your rate on what you're, what you're actually charging for an hour of work. You might be doing it on a project base. That's what I do. I say, you send me the files. If it's this length of audio, here's the rate. Boom, done. That's what you're going to get charged. They know what they're going to get charged before they even upload the file to me. But am I going to be able to spend two hours on the project or 20 hours on the project? That's where the per hour comes into play. There actually is a, a course inside of our Podcast Editor Academy where you can plug in numbers on what you're making and how long you spend per per client per episode. And it'll kick out a number that then tells you what you're earning per hour for that type of work. And then you can also use that same spreadsheet. It's just a simple spreadsheet to figure out, okay, what do I need to be making per hour? I want to make $100,000 per year. I've got to pay Uncle Sam. There's processing fees involved with, you know, taking taking payments through QuickBooks or FreshBooks or PayPal or whatever. What do I got to bring in? And that all comes together to say, okay, you need to be making, we'll say 30 bucks an hour, but you're charging 20. And you know there's a deficit there. Now, Mark can talk about what podcasters are actually charging on average per episode. Mark, you want to jump into that? Yeah, sure. So we've been doing this for about four years now, I believe, Steve. We do this industry survey where we survey professional podcast editors and we ask them, how long would it take you to edit a 60 minute episode and how much would you charge? And then from there, we kind of figure out how long it takes them and what their effective hourly rate is. But then we ask a whole bunch of other questions, too, to find out what are some of the leading indicators and the factors that influence rates, because we want uh, to for editors to to make more per their hour of effort, and uh, I think, and I'm going off memory here. Dave certainly will provide you and your audience with a link to where they can watch that whole survey and results for free. <laughs> but I think it was about forty three dollars per hour. So if it took you six hours uh, to do, oh, okay, I'll use ten round numbers. If it took you ten hours to do a sixty minute show, that'd be four hundred and thirty dollars. One of the things that we've noticed is uh, editors are getting more efficient as the years go on, whether it's because of things like our academy or all those other tools out there. So they're charging more and more because they realize that people are paying for the problems they're solving and the value they're delivering, not so much the editing work that they're doing, but they're also getting faster editing that work. So their effective uh, hourly rate is going up. Yeah. If you can do the same job in a shorter amount of time, you just gave yourself a raise, which is a, a bonus. Right. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people, we all want to do things on the cheap. We don't like to spend money. I want to be an editor. I want to throw my shingle out there, but do I really need a website? The answer to that is no. You don't have to have a website. Especially to get started, you don't have to have a website. Now, I will say that there's there's some credibility that you build when you have a website, especially if it's a good-looking website. And I think it's a little more important if you're going to be a podcast manager versus a podcast editor. Now, you could get a gig from... Uh, let's just give my example. When I started editing for people, I did not have a website for po- editing podcasts because I, I wasn't planning on doing this. It became a part-time job for somebody in a community that I belonged to, not related to podcasting specifically. It was about content. And they were asking me because they knew me. So if you know a group or a niche, and, and it doesn't have to be surrounded by the podcasting industry. It could be something that you're involved in, something you're interested in, in a community that you're in. That's where you're going to find probably people who are like you and that might want to hire you to take the pain of podcasting away. So I didn't have a website about podcast editing had nothing to do with it. So when I started no website, got clients turned into a full-time business, still no website that said I did podcast editing. It wasn't until maybe a year after where I redesigned the site that said anything about, I do podcast editing. And that's because I finally got down to it and said, okay, I'm no longer a personal finance coach, blogger, podcaster. I'm now, a podcast editor. So you don't need a website, but if you're going to grow past that one, two, three clients, now we're talking, you need to have an online presence. You've got to have a website for that. You really do. Plus a way people can read about you, contact you. You may or may not want to put your rates on the page on, on one of the pages. That's a debate that um, it, it's a personal decision that people need to make on that, but definitely a, a contact page about you page and maybe a little bit about your services. What about sites like, I know there's a Fiverr. I forget the other one that used to be these different places where you uh, Upwork, I think was the other one that you can go there and look for jobs. Are are those worth spending the time on? I'm going to say no, but I'm not going to say you shouldn't because if you have no community that you're involved in with, and I'm not talking about the podcasting community, I'm talking about those niches outside of podcasting. If you don't have a way to get involved with some other type of community. And I'm not talking about just a Facebook group, then yeah, maybe Upwork, maybe Fiverr. Those might be a good place to start, but you've got to have an exit plan. You've got to be able to to get your way out of there because that is a race to the bottom. I think Dave is the one who says that all the time. It's a race to the bottom when you're talking about your rates because people are going on there looking for somebody. They don't really care too much. I don't want to say they don't care too much, but they don't, they're not looking into, they're not spending an hour investigating the person they're going to hire. They're looking at your appearance on Fiverr, your ratings on Fiverr. You got to spend a lot of time to build those ratings on Fiverr or Upwork. And then you're going to be able to start demanding a little bit more money, but it's still not going to be more than the 20, 30 people below you. And Steve, you had mentioned, you said, you know, whether you're an editor or a manager, what's the difference between the two? Oh my gosh. What's the difference? It's huge. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because a podcast editor, if you think about the term, it's a little generic, but it is specific, meaning you're editing the content. You're you're taking the recorded audio and you're cutting out the crap. And that's an acronym. Crap is, is not a bad word. So it's an acronym. <laughs> crap stands for crutches, accidents. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let me start again. I forgot the R. Crap. Crap stands for crutches, repeats, accidents, and pregnant pauses. You're taking all that stuff where it doesn't belong, you're making the audio sound better. But we haven't talked about audio engineering yet. And there's podcast engineers out there. So we talk about Chris Curran. We're talking about Tom Kelly. And uh, those guys 
have engineering backgrounds and they're talking about EQ compression, normalization, exciters, things like that. A podcast editor doesn't have to be an expert in engineering. They should know something about it because they're going to do some of it anyway. But then when we go to a podcast manager, we're talking about, okay, now we're talking about more than just managing a recorded piece of audio. Now we're talking about maybe scheduling guests, maybe facilitating the recordings on Squadcast. Maybe we're doing the show notes writing. Maybe we're managing the RSS feed. Maybe we are doing the social media, stuff like that. So a manager can do so many more things than just a podcast editor. Yeah, you're right, Steve. And there's also a lot of great women on our community that are focusing on story design. Now, these are people that work with their clients and come up with an overview of what the narrative story, the narrative podcast is, and they're cutting and splicing all the different elements of the story together to make a more serialized podcast, a more narrative show. And that's even beyond the realm of just the typical crap editing, as Steve is calling, or even the engineering of cleaning up the audio. And some do sound design with Foley tracks and everything. So there's all sorts of levels of service that that people are doing that honestly, every day, Steve and I will see a story of some of the excellent work people are doing. And we're just amazed every day. And the nice thing about those kind of shows is that I would assume they pay more because you do a whole lot more work to uh, spit one of those out. I I would think so. I got to watch the videos, right, (laughs) of of what they're doing. And it is a tremendous amount of work, but they're also very smart in the way they do it. They do it like a tenth of the time it would take me to think through that process. But, yeah, they, they get paid for that expertise. So we talked about getting that first client. How do you how do you find the right client? Is there a type that we should be looking for? Well, I will always preach about being in a niche, a niche that you're interested in because that's going to keep you going, but also because you become known in that niche as the go-to person. And when you do that, you can demand a higher rate and that's going to find also people who are ready to pay a higher rate because they're like, oh, I heard about this guy or this girl. They say you're the person we should talk to. They've already been sold on your services. All you got to do now is to provide excellent customer service and close the deal. So there's no key I can hand somebody say, here's a key to all your problems. This is how you find that right client. But it's going to take some time. Usually you don't find the client right away, at least not the right client. You're going to find some people that you work with are just not the, they're not great to work with. And you're going to learn what you're good at. You're going to learn what podcasters want from you. It's not exactly what you thought you were providing. They want more from you. They're going to demand it too, by the way, after a while, they're like, well, why can't you do that for me? Well, it's not my job. You're not going to say that. That's, that never comes off right. So it's going to take some time, but you've got to get out there and and try first of all. And I hate that whole get out there and just do it type of, of thing. But in this scenario, you've got to get out there and once you get your clients and learn or maybe t- make a journal and figure out what it is that you like doing, what it is you don't like doing, how can you leverage the parts that you like? And, and charge more for that type of thing and maybe outsource or find ways to automate the stuff that you don't. And that'll help you to, to make more money per hour. Well, you mentioned working with people sometimes that you don't like and some other things. What do you feel is the biggest cause of editor burnout? Here's what I've seen in the history of the podcast editors club, which is the Facebook group that I created back in 2017. Yeah, we got 8,000 members in now. It's, it's amazing. 2017 has started, and now I've seen a bunch of people come in, and they've left. And there's two reasons most people leave. Well, three. One is they got tired of Facebook, and I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Another is they become so successful, and they've grown past needing a community of podcast editors like them to talk to. 
But the third one is they wanted to come in. It's just like a podcaster think they're going to come and make a lot of money with their podcast. They come in the podcast setting and think, oh, this is great. People can make money editing. And it's true you can, but it's hard work just like anything else. So their expectations are too high. That's what it is. Their expectations are higher than what they can reasonably achieve. They're trying to do this in the margins of their life. And they're finding that just like anywhere else, you got a full-time job and then a part-time job and the part-time job. If it's not producing the results you want in a short period of time, you're going to quit and you're going to give up. I could see that. Now, one of the things I guess that could help with people that you don't want to work with or, or at least chasing people to get things that you need might be working with a contract. Uh, is that something that most podcast editors do? The pros and cons, that whole nine yards. Let's talk contracts. Mark, do you have a uh, do you have a contract with Steve? I mean, you two are friends, uh, but we are friends. Is that something that you guys have? Of course, of course. Uh, me working on legal shows and talking to attorneys every day, I have to have contracts in in every aspect of of my job just to let people know this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm not doing, this is what you're paying for, this is when to expect payment, and and this is who owns the media at various particular stages in its existence before the world knows about it. Uh, do I have the, the rights to, to share it? As you were saying earlier, Dave, you need to have that permission in order to share snippets of before and after. And do I have those rights? Do I not? Yeah, I'm a big fan of contracts and they're not scary. They're just basically, Hey, two friends agreeing on the terms of, of that relationship. And it's best to do it early while you're still friends, than try to go back when there's perhaps some type of fallout or misunderstanding, and then you're trying to lean on that friendship relationship that wasn't written down. Where do you go from there? So, yes, I'm a big fan of contracts. Steve was talking about when people join, maybe their expectations are a little out of whack. A contract literally gets everybody on the same page so you know what uh, what to expect. Well, in Dallas, as we record this, it's July here in 2022, and next month in Dallas, not only for editors, you guys have the Podcast Services Mastermind Workshop. So who is that for? The Podcast Services Mastermind Workshop is for anybody who provides services to podcasters. So we're talking more for the individual who wants to make money serving podcasters, podcast editors, podcast managers, podcast consultants, show notes writers, anybody like that. Obviously, our community is podcast editors, but anybody who does you know, serve podcasters, it's going to be a really good fit for them because that's... Mm -hmm who we are. That's who we are sitting at the tables with is the same type of people. Now we will have some podcasters there. We've already talked to a few of them. We've, we were provided some scholarships by our sponsors of the event, which is fantastic. So we're going to have some podcasters there as well, but they know they're coming to a mastermind workshop. This is where we're going to have tables of four and we'll rotate the tables every uh, hour or so. So you get to sit with different people each time, but these will be intensive working through a business model, which Mark can talk a little bit more about, but it's not a sessions. We're not, there's no slideshows. This isn't, you know, listening to somebody speak about how to do a thing. This is working through how to design a business model. Exactly. A business model. We're going to talk about the nine different elements of a business model. So when people walk away, not only will they have a, a book filled out with notes on various aspects of running a business, but they'll have a one page. Now, granted, it's a pretty big map, but you can fold it up. We promise <laughs> a map that you will have written on and you can have your entire business model in one view and know 
what you need to do in order to achieve the business results that you want, whether you want to be a podcast editor, maybe you want to be an interview booking agent. As long as you are doing a service in the podcast industry, that is what the podcast services mastermind workshop was built for. Awesome. And this is just the day before podcast movement. It's actually August 23rd, which is the first day of podcast movement. But the other things are happening during that same time or some other premium workshops like ours. There's the uh, the newbie orientation. So a lot of people who are going to podcast movement are either like the people that would come to our thing or would be a newbie who would want to, you know, a podcaster wants to go to that thing. But then the evening kickoff party is right after we're done for the day. So it doesn't really interfere with anything, but it's the same location, same time as podcast movement. So once we're done with the podcast services mastermind workshop, we get to network and have fun with podcasters. You mentioned it was back on episode 752. You had launched the Podcast Editor Academy. It's been uh, two plus years. What can people expect uh, going forward with it? Steve's shutting it down. Aren't you, Steve? (laughs) Yes. No, not really. (laughs) Yeah, so... Thank you, Dave. We've been doing this for over two years now. We have almost 300 lessons, modules, courses, scripts. Uh, We've got the job board. We've got the editor board, uh, tons of stuff. And what we're doing for the first time in over two years is we're going to close the door for about a month for new members. Existing members can still get in and and still consume everything. But we're reorganizing a lot of stuff. We're putting roadmaps in place so people can self-identify where they're at in their business journey, or maybe they just want to look at modules on how to build partnerships or or marketing or how to uh, hire show note writers or or get into uh, episode design, that sort of thing. So we're reorganizing a lot of stuff, enhancing some of the other elements that people have been using more of and asking of us in a two plus years. So about a, a week after podcast movement, we'll close the doors to new members. We're going to do this big reorganization, basically clean up the garage so we can find the tools and other people can find the tools that they're looking for. And then we'll reopen the doors about a month later. And current members will have access to the Academy. As we're oh, yeah. building this thing. So they won't see an interruption in their memberships. But when we come back, we will be raising the rates, the price on the Academy. So anybody who's joined the Academy has enjoyed the, the same price that they've had ever since. And anybody who joins before we close the doors will be able to keep that same rate going forward, even after we increase the rate. Yeah, we're not increasing the rate for existing members. But when we do relaunch and reopen the doors with all the new enhancements and everything that will come with our first uh, price increase really since we've launched podcast editor academy very cool so gentlemen thank you so much for answering some questions for those people that are thinking of dipping their toe into being an editor and a manager and all the above i really appreciate your time thank you dave thanks dave Awesome gentlemen, and I'll have links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 839. Audio editing, I think Steve said it best, it's like anything else. It takes a little bit of hard work to get it up and going, and you get some momentum going. I know I have an audio editing service, and I also do audio editing myself, but for me, I have to be able to listen to your show. So that's where, like, Steve does a lot of audio editing in the finance genre, because that's where he came from. So maybe you want to be the the NASCAR editor, or maybe you want to be the knitting or the empowerment editor or something like that. That's something you might want to look into. It is not as simple as putting out a shingle. That first client takes a little bit 
of effort. I'll also have a link to the previous time they were on when we kind of talked about that. How do I get my first customer? So like anything else, when you first start out, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone and it takes a little while to get the ball rolling, but they've got some great tips. I'm actually, I have access to the Podcast Editor Academy and there's some really cool stuff in there. So check it out. Again, links at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 839 or just go to Podcast Editor Academy. Yeah, I heard this on episode 256 of Congressional Dish, and I don't want to jump into any kind of anything political. I'm doing this because I love animals, and Jen did an episode on poisonous pet collars that are, well, killing your pets. Remember, EPA said that even though their 2015 investigation found the Soresto collars to be dangerous, they were waiting for the Canadian report to make their decision about what to do here in the United States. Canada concluded these things were poison, said they can't be sold in Canada. And so after that, our EPA did nothing. Yay, America. If you have a pet and you have some sort of, you know, flea collar on them, you definitely want to go listen to that episode. I love Congressional Dish. It's um, it's in a way kind of weird because usually when I get done, I want to punch somebody in the face. But that's just the joy of listening to what's going on in the U.S. government. And I realize that some people are like, man, the last thing I want to hear about on this show is, you know, politics. But again, I'm a huge animal lover, and I would hate to hear that your little pooch or kitty had an issue with, uh, you know, something because they were wearing the wrong collar. Right, Bernie? Yes, the ghost of Bernie making an appearance. Hey, when you're ready to either start your podcast or to grow the one you have, come visit me at schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. I help podcasters. It's what I do. Use the coupon code listener. It's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with a money back guarantee of 30 days. So if on day 29, you're like, ah, it's not for me. I'll give your money back. I'm not here to trap anyone. I am here to help podcasters. It's what I do. I know. I've just now said that twice. So until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. You want to see cats? Really? Ah! The tickets are kind of high, buddy. We're going to have to cut back on the catnip budget for that. <laughs>